How y'all all? This is Moon Graffon, Moon Graffon Show podcast. Of course, we're rocking and rolling. We like to cover a lot of national issues. As you know, I do a radio program. It's uh, 15 hours a week, Monday through Friday, 9 to 11 a.m. You can check it out at moongraffon.com. Listen live. You can look at all our great radio stations that we're syndicated on in the great state of Louisiana. But this podcast specifically designed to deal with national issues. Have great guests. I got a great one lined up today. And so make sure when you go to the Moon Graffon podcast, you hit that subscribe button. Make sure you hit comment. We love to get your comments on it. And let some friends know that we're out there talking about issues that mean something. We like to cover some things that you're not going to hear in the regular press. You may not even hear it on talk radio, but we, we think there are issues that are important but today, that if we don't straighten up, we can lose our country. Nobody wants to lose the country. At least I don't think so. So anyway, uh, make sure you hit subscribe. It's the Moon Graffon Show. Today, we're honored to have a gentleman on here that has a lot of experience dealing with debt. He's uh, with the Heritage Foundation. His name is Richard Stern. Richard, how you doing? Doing well. Thank you for having me on. Well, no, no, it is an honor and a pleasure, sir. And I mean that with a with a big heart. Richard, let's, let's start with this. Let's give... A background. Give us a little background of who you are, a little background of what you're doing, some little history of what you've done dealing with all this stuff with debt and and your job description. I appreciate that. So, so as you said, I'm I'm the acting director of the Herman Center at Heritage, which is a center devoted to the federal budget. So, on my team looks over the federal budget, how much it takes from you in the form of taxes, and how much it spends manipulating the economy, directing people's behavior and really making a less efficient economy and a less free society. I, I've been at Heritage for about two years now, and prior to being at Heritage, working on those kind of issues, I worked for Congress. Uh, yes, unfortunately, the swamp, but I was there for about seven and a half years. And while I was in Congress, I spent about half that time working for individual members of Congress, which is, of course, as you can imagine, kind of a unique perspective on exactly what it looks like from their their viewpoint. And, and, it, and I'll get into this later on the show here, but you, I really got to see just how little individual members of Congress have in terms of resources that combat the lobbying arms and all of the other corrupt institutes that are in D.C. And in the other half of the time I was in Congress, I worked for a caucus, which has about three-quarters of the elected Republicans in the House of Representatives. And one of the things I did there, probably my proudest thing in that caucus, was I helped write summaries of every single piece of legislation wow. that comes through the or that the members look at. So, you know, when you hear people say, Nobody really reads these bills in D.C. For about two and a half years, my job was to be one of those people that actually read those bills. <laughs> the problem is you're one of a few. <laughs> when enough people read the bills, they keep passing <laughs> all this stuff that they do. But, you know, Richard, you see exactly. things. You, I'm glad you weren't there, but for seven and a half years, you were able to get out before, before it gets bad. You get sucked in with it because I think that's what <laughs> happens. And I think you can comment on this before we get into the money stuff. How many good people go to Washington? get tied into the system, see how much money's out there for not only them, their buddies, and whatever else they're doing, and they just get caught up in it. And they really don't even understand what they're doing. I mean, that's got to be happening with, with a lot of people. To that end, not only that, but I'll tell you something that I think for, for many of your listeners probably is shocking. Frankly, it shocked me after I got to D.C. The traditional way it works is you graduate college, you're, you're new, you don't really know what's going on, and the first place you work isn't for lobbyists, it isn't for consultants, it isn't for some trade group, it's for Congress. Congress is run mostly by a bunch of 20-something-year-olds that are just out of college. To your point, what happens is after you've been working on the Hill in Congress for a few years, the people who actually know how things work, 
who have some real experience, the people who don't wash out, then they go work for lobbyists, they go work for trade associations, mm-hmm. they go work for outside consultant groups. And so really one of the kind of mind-blowing aspects of it is the people who really have experience who can stick it out in the city, they aren't working for taxpayers. They aren't working for the American people. They're working for some niche group that's got money that tries to use it to buy the law to contort it to help their interests at the expense of their competitors. Yeah, you know, and that makes sense. And I'll tell you why. It doesn't make sense to have a $32 trillion def, uh, deficit debt. It doesn't make sense that that's getting ready to go to 34 They tell me in three or four years, we're going to be at $40 trillion. Now, that's not responsible. That's not responsible. I don't care how you look at them. I don't care how smart these people are. I don't care how much college degree they have. That is going to be devastating one day to the American people. I want you to talk a little bit about the debt and, and, and this $40 trillion that we headed to in just the next few years. If we keep at the pace we've been, this is going to destroy America. I don't, I don't want to scare anybody, but it's no way to keep going. There's no grown-ups in the room. I appreciate your focus on this issue. So the thing that I always tell everybody is, you know, a dollar looks like it's just a piece of paper with, you know, the picture of a dead president on it. But the truth is, what that dollar represents is somebody's hard work. That dollar is representative of real tangible goods and services. If you look around you, the building you're sitting in right now, the clothes on your back, the food that's on your table is representative of the combination of people's work and the use of tools high technology, things that have taken us thousands of years to develop just to produce those products, to produce the service and make them available to you. That's what a dollar represents. That $32 trillion debt you're talking about, nearly a quarter of a million dollars per household is representative of real work to produce real things that instead of going to the betterment of households across America, instead was siphoned off by the government to do God knows what and bridges to nowhere is at the pain end of what the government wastes those resources doing. Yeah. But think about this, what you just said, (laughs) the American people, I'm not cutting American people. Look, I'm learning from people like you because I read a lot. The American people, I don't think understands even who they voting for anymore because of what you just said. We just go vote for people, somebody that's going to deliver some money, and we don't worry about, is there a train wreck down the road? So my question is, me and my buddies have always talked about this. Well, nothing never happens. Nothing never goes wrong. We never go into a Great Depression. Uh, so people just keep going along and, and moving along. When does this thing blow up? And why hadn't it blown up yet, if I can ask the question? So, so here's the thing about this. You know the old analogy of the frog is slowly being boiled in the pot? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. The- Here's the thing I would say about this. Ask yourself, think of the last few decades in this country's history, and maybe even the last 50 years. Do you feel like our manufacturing base is stagnated? Do you feel like wages are stagnated? Do you feel like there's an increasing sense of despair, of malaise, that the nation's best days are behind it? All of those things, and, and we all know what's going on in this country today, how people are feeling about our history, our future, and where we are right now. All of those things, a result of the slow and steady work of an expansionist government with an expanding debt and expanding spending to slowly sap our nation's productivity. I'll tell you something that I think surprises most people. And it's, it's an interesting note on this, right? So right now, our per capita GDP, which is a, a representation of how much we produce per person in the country, is, is higher than, but not that much higher, 
than it is in countries like the UK and Germany, Western Europe. Mm-hmm. During World War II, this country had about four and a half times the per capita GDP of Germany during World War II. Mm-hmm. And that's surprising to most people because you, you think of this as having been on even terms. But the truth is, the commitment to a free society, to a dynamic society in the United States with a small government, with low taxes, with nearly non-existent regulations, created an unprecedentedly wealthy society where people could, could keep the fruits of their labors, where they could build for their futures. There was no sense of malaise. There was no sense of us falling behind. There was a sense of a golden, optimistic, hopeful future. And it's that level of economic productivity that allowed us to win World War II for the good guys and to suppress these, these evil, tyrannical nations. What happened in between? Why is it that our, our economy is so much closer to these other nations now? It's the taxes, it's the regulations, it's increasing government size. That's what sapped our economy. And so the question of when will it blow up, why hasn't it blown up, I would say it has. It's just been that slow boiling in the pot, that slow sapping of our strength and our energy. Well, the reason why I asked the question, by the way, if you just joined us, uh, Richard Stern, my special guest, he's with the Heritage Foundation. He has a great background dealing with debt and budgets, and he worked with the uh, in Congress. Uh, he's a super gentleman. You can go read his articles at the Heritage Foundation. I've read them. You're going to be enlightened. I was enlightened when I came across the stuff that he's writing about. You know, you're right about what you're saying, but sooner or later, it gets to the point where you're boiled. And you're talking about the frog scenario. And I guess that's where I'm talking, what I'm going to, is when. Because people keep saying, well, well, nothing's really happened. Because I think people are still voting the same. I think for the most part, they're still living the same. We got high debt, high credit card debt. People are moving forward. And I don't think they really realize what you just said, because that debt's going to be about $40 trillion in about three more years. I think it's going to be right at forty trillion dollars, which, by the way, is more than we produce, and I think our economy produces. It's uh, yep. that, and I'm talking about the stock market, and stock exchange, and everything that you add into this. It's going to be more than we actually have or produce. It's already getting close to that. So I'll say something else that'll little you know shock you here, but it's to what you're talking about that we're getting close to that moment where we've been boiled well and thoroughly. So at the end of of 2020. Global debt to GDP was 250%. So around the world, the consumer debt, you're talking about credit cards, government debt was about 40% of that. We had hit two and a half times as much debt as a globe as the globe actually produces in a year. And you can imagine countries like the U.S. are leading the charge in that. And here's, here's another shocking thing I'll give you about this. And this gives you a little bit of a, of a hint of maybe when we're going to hit that kind of hard brick wall on this. We're expecting in maybe just six or seven years to spend more money per year out of the federal government on interest on the national credit card than we will spend on the entire Department of Defense. By the end of the next decade, we're going to be spending more than half again as much on that interest on the national credit card as we will spend on our entire military. If that doesn't scare you, I don't know what will. Well, you know what else, too? I, I, I thought about this the other day. When did When did... Just go borrow money and don't care when you pay for it. Start to creep in in America. When did just, I could go run up any debt I want to. It doesn't matter. And I can just, I can, I can just do whatever I want to do with money. I have no consequences. When did we get to that point? Because you try this at home, you're going to fail. You try this in a business, it's going to fail. Well, eventually government fails too. 
I mean, when did we ever decide we don't have to pay back money? Don't even worry about it. Just print, spend all the money you want to. Because there had to come a time that we said, you know what? This is no big deal. So uh, one of the things that I think everybody listening, you know, your sense is that if I'm holding a dollar bill, it's going to be worth a lot less next year. Now, with the inflation we've had this year, it's worth a hell of a lot less next year. But we all know, right? Yes, sir. And that's been the course of things for 50 years. But the truth is, prior to that, prior to the Fed mucking around with our currency, dollars used to hold value. In fact, I'll tell you an interesting stat, and none of us are alive to see this. But from 1800, close to the founding of our country, to 1913 when the Fed was created, a dollar bill actually gained twice as much in value. Wow. So if you were holding dollars, right, if you were getting paid in dollars, during the entire 19th century, the experience you had was it actually bought more the next year than it did the year before. The period of unmatched economic growth, technological growth, people being left out of poverty came from a stable currency. To your point, if I live in a society where the dollar is worth less and less and less every single year, then why ever pay it back? Why does it have any kind of meaning whatsoever? And, and let me tell you what's happened about this. Since the, the FDR administration, the government has leaned on the Federal Reserve to print money to cover its deficit. In the pandemic alone, we, we just had 90%, almost all of the, the, the deficits that the government occurred to pay for the pandemic were covered by the Federal Reserve printing money as yeah. if they were the bank when it came a monopoly. That's part of where this is coming from. Well, that's, that's what I meant, though. Uh, we're speaking to Richard Stern with the Heritage Foundation dealing with debt in this country, which scares me to death, by the way. I, I, don't, I can't believe it doesn't worry a lot more people. But I, I'm just concerned about are we headed? You know, I didn't live, and you didn't either because you're not the age. I didn't live through the Great Depression. We've lived through recessions. We've lived through tough recessions. I don't want to live through a depression. I don't. I don't want my kids to have to go through that. But Richard, I, and I, I'm not a doom and gloomer either. I'm not a conspiracy nut. But it seems like we're going to have to hit a depression before we change what we do. I mean, I hope not. I hope that's not where we headed at. But seems to me you can't just keep spending money, running up debt. Everything is worth less. And one day you just get out of it and everything's better. I, I can't see that. Normally in a, in a time frame like this, something has to fall and give. You hit rock bottom and it takes you 10 or 20 years to come out of it. Am I? Am I? Am I being doom and gloom by saying that's what I see up the road? Look, there's no end to how scared you can be about what's going on. And I, I certainly hear all that. I'll tell you this, though. I think there's a few things to look at that are optimistic. Okay. So first of all, we had 21 Republicans stand on the House floor and say we are not going to elect a speaker and move forward until we get real changes to the rules of the way that chamber works to restore fiscal responsibility. Now, to many people watching and listening, it might have seemed like inside baseball, but you know, the most important thing about your car is what's under the hood. The rules in Congress, that's what's under the hood. Makes a right? difference, yeah. It's, it's those rules in Congress that allow people to raid federal coffers, your taxpayer dollars, to run up that debt because it helps them and their buddies, and they don't care about the national plan. They don't care about what you're talking about, the important stuff you're bringing up right here and now. Those 21 Republicans actually change the rules. They will make it a lot easier for good people that care about the nation, our economy, and the hard work of every American to make sure the federal government has at least a modicum of respect for that. And so that's a real statement, I think, of the direction that the voters are going, that their elected representatives are starting to go in. And I'll tell you this, our revolution, our independence from, from, U, from the UK, 
it didn't come because we had a Great Depression, right? It came because things got bad enough, but not all the way to a collapse. The people that stood up for themselves, for their communities, were willing to fight to change things, to get back to a government that respected people's God-given natural rights, their freedoms, and wanted to make sure that they could build a prosperous future for themselves and their families. Okay. And I don't have much time yet left with you, Richard. Richard Stern, of course, my special guest with the Heritage Foundation. I like solutions. What will we need to do to stop this? Now, I, you can't give us 50 things, and I'm sure it's a lot more than one or two things. I, I get it. But what are some couple, a couple of things that the Congress could do? Like, quit printing so much money. Quit handing out all these goodies all over the place. But what can we specifically do? What can the Congress do? And do we have enough responsible congressmen, women, whatever you want to call them, senators, where they stand up and say, enough's enough, we're going in the wrong direction, and we got to quit doing this? So the first one is, how do we do it? What are some steps we need to take? The first thing is pressure for the American public and those representatives is what keeps them good and what puts them in the right direction. They've got lobbyists and corrupt interests in D.C. banging on the door all the time. They need to hear from real Americans and real American voters that want them to do what you're talking about. That's the first most important thing. The, the next set of things I'd say is, the, the first thing you said there, make sure the Fed stops printing money to cover the federal debt. That's one of the most yep. critical things. Getting us a stable currency so that the dollar you earn is actually continuing to be representative of the worth and the work you put in to earn that dollar. The next thing is we need to not even just cut spending, cut the growth rate of spending. Yep. Spending right now grows faster than the economy, literally unsustainable. And a lot of that is that every single year, Congress finds a new reason to listen to those lobbyists to jack up spending, get them to stop doing it. And then the last thing I would say is and this is the one that's, that's, that's the more painful one, but we need to do it. We need entitlement reform. The truth Big is time. the entitlement reform yeah, are taking out of people's paychecks, making it hard for them to save for their own retirement, and then are promising meager benefits that don't really keep people through retirement. The truth is there are innovative, creative ways to reform it so that we preserve the hard work that seniors put in to pay into those programs, but also ensures that people working now can save for their futures we can get out from under this debt crisis that's weighing down on the entire country. Somebody made a comment of that. I don't know what elected official. If we just went back to the 2019 budget, we could balance the budget almost overnight. In other words, all this new spending since COVID, 20, 21, 22, and 23, if we just went back to the 2019 budget and stopped right there, we could balance the budget pretty quick. I mean, that's amazing just because what, but what happens in Washington, we got all this extra money. Now that's the new budget. I've seen it in Louisiana. They do it in Washington. That becomes the new budget. That doesn't need to be the new budget. We need to go back to 2019, start there, and then work our way through this process. That's absolutely correct. And to that end, you know, they want you to think that it's unsolvable, that, you know, more government spending is like throwing a glass of water in the ocean. You're <laughs> right, though. If we that close to getting the problem solved, we just need to push through and do it. Richard Stern, the Heritage Foundation. Richard, if people want to find out more about you, the Heritage Foundation, where can they go to, uh, to find out more about you? You can follow me on Twitter at Rich A. Stern. Uh, and then you can also go on the Heritage.org website. You can find my bio page on there. And all the things I've written. And then, of course, on Twitter, I always throw out all the stuff I write as well. So, Rich A. Stern on Twitter, and uh, you can go to the Heritage.org website, put on Richard Stern, and it's on my bio page and all the stuff I put out. Folks, check out Richard Stern. I promise you, if you go read his stuff and you follow him, this guy makes so much sense on what we need to do. Will Congress ever grow a pair and do what's right for the American people? 
That's the question. Richard, thank you. God bless. Don't forget, check out the Moon Graffon Show, the podcast. Make sure you subscribe. Please subscribe. Click the comment button. Love to hear from you. God bless. We'll see you next time.